let's just, let's let's discuss that. Let's discuss this strange Gemara, which which may, may have discussed before, and I think I have. But it's always good to to review it. Um, the nature of of how desire operates, and it's. Uh, the unhealthy consequences that it has. So we said that the second stage of growth is second stage of growth is combating the power of desire. Now, what, 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 what's it all about? What, where? How does it? How does it? We said that the first stage of growth, which is offered, just simply it pushes down your potential. How does tivert? That's a word for desire obstruct spiritual advancement. Simply speaking, the reason why Taiva is an obstruction to spiritual advancement is because it camouflages the reality with a illusion. It provides a false covering to, it's like a mask. It's like, you know, when a person puts on a mask, so when, when someone's wearing a mask, you can't see what they really are. Um, now, if the mask, let's assume that the mask was a extremely well-crafted mask, what would happen? I'll tell you the Gemara, and then I'll try to explain the Gemara. The Gemara says a astonishing thing, that... It likens the one that eats bread without washing hands to someone that goes to a prostitute. Now that example, the analogy seems to be rather extreme. Why would eating bread without washing your hands be analogous to someone that goes to visit a prostitute? I mean, what's that all about? So... Imagine if a person falls in love with a woman and falls in love, meets her at a party and she's the most gorgeous woman that he's ever seen. Most gorgeous woman. And he becomes completely enraptured by her, can think of nothing else but her. When he wakes up in the morning, he can't, meet to, can't wait to meet her. And, you know, they spend lots of time together, time together. And then one day he notices the strangest thing. Strangest thing. He notices that at the bottom of her chin, her skin is almost, it's flapped out. He can't figure out what it is. And she says, well, well, let me tell you the truth. And as she says that, she starts to pull at the flap. And she pulls off and pulls off. And she's actually, she's wearing a mask. And she pulls off this gorgeous face. And behind it, there's this scarred, distorted excuse for a human face. What does he do? I'll tell you what he does. He gets up. He gets up and he runs out. 
Understand, what, what, what was he in love with? I'll tell you what he's in love with. He's in love with a mask. He's in love with a, a very thin layer that surrounded the person. Now, let's try to explain how this works. Um, when a person does any act, you can divide it up into two components. You can divide it up into the, the purpose to which you're engaging in the act and the, the experience of the act itself. So, for example, you need to mow the lawn. The purpose of mowing the lawn is to make sure that your garden is well kept. The experience of the act is taking a lawnmower and rolling it over the, over the grass. So there's the experience, the means, the action, and there's the result, what you want out of the action. A person wants to sew a shirt. So the act is the cutting the material, measuring it, sewing it together. And the purpose is that they, they should have a shirt to, mar- to, to wear. So every actor has got its, its action, the, the, the means, the activity, the experience, and the purpose for which you're engaging in the experience. Now what would happen if someone got confused between the result, the goal, and the action and the experience, and you thought that the purpose was the experience? That it actually was there for the experience. Is that like learning Gemara? So, what would happen is, is that he'd take his lawnmower and he'd mow lawn for no other reason than he needed to mow the lawn. Now, what this may be, it may actually start to be somewhat counterproductive because he had, when there was no, mow, no more lawn to mow, what would he do? So, he'd, like, he'd adjust the blades of the lawnmower to cut the grass at an even thinner rate. And so eventually, with his mow, lawn mowing obsession, he'd land up with a completely empty, barren soil because he would have ripped out all the grass in his ever, never-ending desire to experience the mowing of the lawn. In other words, when a person loses sight of the objective of why he's engaging in a particular act, and he switches the experience to being the objective, generally it produces, it has a counterproductive result. So now let's move on to the act of eating. The act of eating has got two components in it. The first component is the, the sorry, the, the first component is that the goal, the purpose, a person eats so he can survive with the nutrients that he gets by ingesting the food, he's able to continue living. So the act of eating is an act where the purpose is to create new life inside of me. Give me a new life. Make me allow to live another day, another month, another year. So the goal of eating is to provide, to create life. The act, the experience, is the pleasure I do as I put the food into my mouth and chew it and then swallow it. That's the, that's the means to the end. What happens if a person distorts that and he eats not, to, not for the benefit of creating new life, but he eats for the, the actual experience. He forgets about, so the, the po- point isn't to create new life. The point is to have the experience of having the food in my mouth. 
So then it becomes counterproductive. It can actually, a person can eat himself to death. So when you take the act and you turn it upside down and you make the means the end in itself, so then what generally happens is the act becomes self-destructive in its own right. The act of procreation is to bring new life into the world. To bring a new child into the world in the realist sense of the word. Most real sense of the word. And that's what the purpose of the act is. Granted, there is pleasure involved in that experience. But the goal is in order to, as a couple, to introduce through the unity of the two parties an entire new life. To bring new life into the world. The means to that end is through physical relations. That's what it is. When a person turns it upside down and he makes the means the end, so he's completely defeated. It becomes self-destructive. Because instead of it then becoming a unity of two disparate components in order through their unity to introduce into the world something new, it becomes an act which has ironically when the people are the closest thereby they're the furthest apart because since the act is not for the other it becomes selfish and indulgent and therefore you have two people who are completely connected and totally and utterly separate so it becomes self-destructive perhaps it's not as visibly self-destructive as someone who overeats but emotionally and spiritually it's completely self-destructive so now you see how the act of eating for the wrong reasons is not going to prostitute. Now what is it going to do with washing your hands before you eat? The idea of washing your hands before you eat is it's called, it's derived from a verse which is uh, quoted as being v'hizkadishtem. It's from the word kedusha. To be mekadesh means to designate, to specify, to understand that this thing is for another reason. It's transcendence. It's to use something as a handle to something way, way beyond it. So, Kiddush is to take something in this world and to use it with purpose for a higher endeavor, for a transcendent reason. That's what Kiddush is. Kiddushin is the way you describe the marriage of man to woman. A man is Mekadesha Isha, meaning the relationship is for a higher purpose. That through the synergy of the two parts, they can produce something greater than themselves. Only when they unify can they bring a child into the world. Separately, they could never do that. This is a metaphor to say that the notion of the engagement of a couple, when a couple gets together, everything they do, not just a child, literally, but everything they do becomes exponentially increased. Because through their synergy, they have an additional element that they never had as separate entities, as separate beings. Now they can see things different. Now they can speak about things different. Now everything, when they are a couple, everything they generate is on a completely different level. Every single thing they do as a couple is having a child, in a certain sense of the word. So, when a person understands that the purpose of marriage, so he's locked into the not confusing the means with the ends. He understands that this is just a mechanism to get to somewhere else. A person that's not aware of that, a person that engages in the, in the physical world merely for the sake of 
the pleasure that he experiences in the moment, so then he's defeated that. He's, he's done the opposite of Kedusha. He hasn't used this as a handle for something beyond it. He's used it for it itself. And that's destructive. That's, that's separation. That's separation from the spiritual realm. That's separation from the person in the relationship as well. So therefore, what Taiva does is, is it creates a confusion. The desire confuses us. And if you see it this way, that giving the example of a fruit, a fruit has a peel and it has a fruit inside it. The peel has a purpose, it's there to protect the fruit. But the goal of the peel is only as a protection, to cover over God. But essentially, if you want the essence, so you take off the peel so you can eat the fruit. Every action has got its peel as well. The peel, for example, of eating is the physical pleasure involved. That's the peel. But the essence is the life that it produces. When a person sees the peel and he thinks that's the essence and he misses the fruit, so he lives in a world which has no connection to the deeper reality. In other words, the problem of Mayim, the second stage of growth, is it avoids us from plumbing the depth of connecting to the reality of the world and ultimately to our Creator. Because we skirt the surface of the world, eating the peels, thinking they're the fruit. Then why did Hashem make the peels look so visually appealing? I think what if you look at an orange, you don't you don't think that the that the fruit of the orange looks as good as how it looks as a whole orange with the peel on it. That's why, correct. That's our test. The 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 peel looks really appealing. The peel look actually looks more appealing than the fruit sometimes. It looks good. So the world looks good. The peel looks good. So many people get seduced into that good-looking peel. They get look, and, and when they get seduced into the good-looking peel, what happens? They miss out on the fruit. Because all they're left with is a peel. They took the peel, they wanted the peel, they had the peel, and now they're left with the peel. It's a deeply unsatisfying experience of life. It, it, it's, 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 it's tragic. It's tragic what's happened to the, um, in a sense, the destruction of the appreciation of, in, in a man's world, of women. The cheapening of a woman that she's as cheap as her physical features. It's, it's saying that the peel is the essence. It's a complete destruction. And that's why any time there's a picture of a beautiful woman, and the reason why she has been photographed is because of her physical beauty. So essentially it's a denial of who she is. So it's, it's a tragedy for the woman herself that she's living on that level she, where, where hopefully she hasn't, but she's like bought into the fact that her appeal is who she is, not realizing what she has inside of her. And it's a tragedy for the men that then focus on that and become obsessed with, the, with who? With someone who doesn't exist. Even when you meet the person, that's not who the person is. So how many people are engaged in relationships with people that don't exist? That's called taiva. Taiva allows us to miss the essence and grasp the means as an end. Daniel.
in terms of dealing with that and trying to move beyond that, to try to look beyond the peel, based on the fact that we, a lot of us come from a world, I'll speak for myself, come from a world where I feel like I'm hardwired. I know that I'm, <coughs> my instincts are to just see the peel and intellectually try to go beyond that, but everything that I feel is like, you know, it starts with the peel, so to speak. I mean, am I t are you talking about needing to suppress that or to just shift the focus from that to something else? What's the proper way to, you know, deal with that type of kaiba if we're referring to that as a, as a negative thing? Yeah. So, it so it's, it's, a very, it's a very tricky thing. Because obviously, as was implied in your question, suppression isn't going to work. It will, just, <laughs> yeah. it, will, it will do the old job that, you know, that like Rav Desta says that the Yetzirah is a spring. And the way a spring works is you push it and you think you're making real progress. And you push it further and it's getting even harder. But you keep on pushing until you get to the point where the spring can't go any further. Then boom, it shoots back at you. Because now all the energy that it uses to destroy you, you gave it. So when you, when you, when you, what we've discussed previously is when you go against the Yetzar and you try to push it down, so you're giving it strength. You can't push it down. So you have to shift. You have to shift. And the shift is, 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 a, is a process and it's a deep process. But we all can relate to it. We can all relate to people who their physical features become... Um, a sign to the internal beings. I don't know if you've got some, you know, your relatives, your, you know, maybe a sister, your, your mother. When you look at your mother and someone would ask you, is she beautiful or ugly? The question would seem irrelevant because that's not what you're responding to. You're not responding to how she rates on a scale of 1 to 10 because you know who your mother is. So your connection to her, your sister, someone that you have, a cousin, a friend, when you relate to people's physical features, people that you have a close connection with, and someone would say to you, well, you know, if you could rate their physical attraction, where would you rate it? The question would seem like offensive, no? No, it wouldn't seem offensive well, to you? absolutely, of course. It would feel offensive, right? Why? Because you've reached a level of connection where the physical features the way you respond to them is not as an essence, but as the person. Um, so, uh, give me an example of this, how Avram Avinu, he goes down to Mitzrayim. Vayirav ba'aretz, vayered Avram Mitzrayim melog rosham ki choved horav ba'aretz. Vayhi, kashik rivlov Mitzrayimo. So he got close to Mitzrayim, but Yomel Sorai Ishtoi. And he said to Sorai, his wife, Hinei know your dainty ki ishoyifas mariot. I now know you're a beautiful woman. And Rashi says, Ad achshav lo hikir bo mitoich tznius shebeshneim. Until now, he didn't know what she looked like because they were very modest, tsanua. Vachshav hikir bo alide maise. And now, based on the need, he suddenly saw that she's actually beautiful. 
Now, I don't understand. The Gemara says that you're not allowed to marry a woman until you've seen her because there has to be physical attraction. So Avram Avinu didn't see Sarah. And I mean, just practically speaking, you know, you're living with a woman for, for <laughs> decades. It's very difficult not to spot her. How do you speak? You know, don't you? you it's, it's bizarre to think practically, logistically, how Avram Avinu was able to live with Sarah and never see her, and now all of a sudden you saw her. So the Maral says, of course he'd seen her many, 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 many times before. Of course he knew what she looked like. But the same thing is with when I ask you, well, how does your mother rate on a scale of 1 to 10? You can't rate her because you don't see her physical features, you see her. Avram Avinu's connection to Sarah was a true connection. So you didn't see how she rated as a model, Khalila. He saw her. But then they were going down to Mitzrayim and there was a need for him to protect her because uh, if she was an exceptionally beautiful woman, so then she'd be, uh, perhaps she'd kill him and take her. So he looked at her with different eyes. There's actually a major said he was walking and he saw her reflection in a pool of water, which makes it even better. I mean, he wasn't even looking at her. He just saw there's a form of a beautiful woman in the water. He said, oh, that's my wife, Sora. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the way that a person has to go, that when you, when you have a relationship with a person, so the, the problem is when, you, when you're initiating a relationship, so physical attraction is an important thing, but that's not the basis of a relationship, and the goal is that that, that essentially becomes a non-issue, dissipates, it becomes something else when you get to know the person. Austin. questions I'm not sure in my mind if they're related or either one of them fall within the scope but um, why do things become so standardized especially as far as women and the effect that they have on us where I can understand that you know if we all grew up reading the same magazines and the same media to, to get a certain picture of a woman that that would have an effect on us if we saw that woman but maybe people here who aren't as exposed to that media, it yes. seems that they would probably... Not be effective. No, I think it would be. Uh, listen, it's, it's, it's a good discussion. We can, we can pursue this discussion. Um, let's just break for one moment.